Let's talk politics. Let's talk emotion. Let's talk about other movies we've seen. Let's talk about popularity. Let's talk about this baseball. Let's talk solutions. Come on, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Good morning and welcome to a very special edition of Let's Talk, the podcast designed to facilitate and promote conversations for a better world. Today I have with me uh, a very dear friend of mine, Sam Wisniewski, and we are going to have a conversation about bottling beer and our longtime coach, Billy Poole Harris. Now some fast facts about Sam. He was the valedictorian of our high school class, recently graduated from Williams College, and his Facebook page Well, a little known fact is that senior year of high school, me and a couple of his other friends created it for him because we said that he needed uh, to have it before he went to college. So this is a man that's a ghost. He's off social media. He's off the grid. Um, But he is he's a hilarious guest. He's a fantastic guest. We have a great time. And so I hope you enjoy this special episode of Let's Talk. Okay, act one. So I'm here live on the ground in Sam's basement right now. We've just begun the bottling process for this beer, um, and it's it's honestly really exciting. I've never seen I've never seen this up close. So you're you're experiencing this as I'm experiencing this. Sam has this this giant vat of blueberries and 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 yeast and what else is in there, Sam? And a bunch of different malted barleys and some centennial hops. Now, I don't know what that means per se, but I'm watching as we're getting ready to bottle this. That's really the, that's going to be the start of, of this episode. That's going to be the start of this evening. There's a nice how to brew book. And Sam, how long have you been in the uh, home brewing business? Oh, we're, we're very recently opened here. <laughs> we're on our third batch right now. Uh, just going to top 10 gallons on total beer volume ever made. T- 10 gallons is 10 gallons more than I've ever made. And I will say, dear listeners, I've tried the first batch or I think it was actually the second batch yes. of Shandies. And and Sam is, is doing himself a disservice. He's got a meticulous notebook over here. It's it's like it's like your fifth it's grade. Science. It's a science experiment. It's like if your fifth grade science experiment, if the end result was you got to drink some beer. So I'm 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 definitely excited to drink this blueberry beer. It looks, I'll be honest, it looks kind of disgusting it's right now. Pretty gross. Uh, the, the, <laughs> a lot of those blueberries are floating in a very very gross way. <laughs> They're floating in a, they look kind of decomposing. Um, yeah, the uh, didn't finish the job fully on the blueberries. It, it did not. They, the, the mixture itself kind of looks like, like Violet from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. This is how I <laughs> described it earlier. That's the color that we're looking at. So we really have no idea how this beer is going to taste, but um, we are about to start the bottling process. We've gotten a little underway, but we are going to actually start putting some beer into some bottles and we'll see how it goes <laughs> all right so now we are disinfecting the bottles sam walk the listener through how, how do you go about this process so making beer requires that yeast grow in a particular solution and so you got to make sure nothing else grows in there because it's great for any micro uh, organism so you got to coat the inside of every bottle with a no rinse disinfectant so it's some sort of disinfectant that 
is safe to drink afterwards. It's been developed by scientists. Very safe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would hope. I think at one point you said if, I don't think this refers to the bottling process, but if you incorrectly brew it, there's risk of explosions. Is that correct? That is bottling. That's a very (laughs) bottling-related issue. Because to carbonate the beer, we add a little sugar so that the yeast can make a little bit more CO2 once they're actually capped inside of a bottle. And so if you add too much sugar, the yeast will keep making CO2 until something gives, and it's usually not the yeast. (laughs) It's usually not the yeast. Uh, We'll be back with another update soon. All right, so Sam, walk us through what we're actually doing right now, because we are getting this blueberry beer. We're transferring it from one container to the next. So we don't want the beer to oxidize, so we can't just pour it. Instead, we got to use this goofy thing. It's like a, it's like a pump. It looks like yeah, like it's, a pump. It, it's making a good sound too. Hopefully, I don't want to drop my phone in there, but. <laughs> Yeah, I might die in that flurry of blueberries. It smells kind of good. Yeah, I'm actually really liking this aroma. It kind of just smells like blueberry pancakes that somebody spilled a pizza on. <laughs> blueberry pancakes. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an apt description. The real question is, what is it going to taste like? If you had to predict, now I know this is your first foray into blueberry beer, but what are you hoping that it tastes like? A couple weeks ago. I saw a beer that was a brightish blue. I was like, oh my God, what happened to that? And my uncle told me it was blueberry beer, but the can was completely unlabeled, so I had no other information to go off of. So that, that was the inspiration? Yes, that was the complete inspiration. So I looked up a recipe online, made a couple of fairly major adjustments to make it more intensely blueberry. And uh, now we're hoping it'll turn out like that first beer that inspired it. If there And if there's one thing that's unquestionable, it's that this beer is the most blueberry that I've ever seen. So um, I don't think you, you messed up those calculations <laughs> there. The real question is, what's it going to happen? It's foaming up right now. It's a beautiful pinkish purple little foam. And uh, we're going to see where this takes us. Okay, so now we are actually putting the beer into the bottle, but before that happened, after we had cut off the recording, there was... Uh, Honestly, 10 there, seconds 10, after, 10 we, cut seconds after we cut it off. There was, there was a, a massive, I don't know, uh, explosion of blueberry liquid. Um, one of the, I think it was the, the end of the end of the tube. The end pu- of the pump thing. It popped, <laughs> popped off. off, and I did not notice it. had a huge spray onto the laundry bin. It got, it got all over uh, this nice pair of blue training shoes over here it caught the uh, side of my leg but uh no casualties um and we still have plenty of beers so we're gonna focus on getting this beer into the bottles and then we're going to go to the final part of this process which is the capping so we are at step five of the bottling process after much trial and error. We're putting the caps on the bottles right now and i gotta say sam it is much harder than it looks It definitely is. I did not realize how much force was necessary. Ella always seemed cool and collected while she did this step before. And Ella is is Sam's sister. And we've been using these these kind of lever devices. Um, I don't really, I don't know what they're called. Um, I think they're... 
I think they're called a bell capper. A bell capper. So they 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 do what you intend them to do. They put a bottle cap and they seal the. I don't know. What, you explain the science. They part. they crimp the metal down on the sides. Basically. No, but what what are the, what is the point of of cap? What what do we do while we're capping it? Oh, it creates a, a sealed environment so nothing else can get in and all of the CO two can build up so that the carbonation can be present in the beer. Awesome. So the, yeah, so we've gotten we're all, we're about halfway through the bottles. We're going to continue this process, but you can get the nice natural sound. Ooh. <laughs> that's a that's a cap being put onto a bottle. And you can make that your ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> And so now, dear listeners, the moment you've all been waiting for, this is the taste test. Sam has a, what is it, a one liter stein that he's filled with what he calls the dregs of the of this great experiment. I've got just a nice glass and we're gonna take our first sip and, and we'll get a live reaction on the air. <laughs> Cheers. Hmm. Thoughts? That's way darker than I thought it would be. It's a very like flavorful beer. I, it honestly tastes. I thought I, I don't. I thought I was gonna be like injecting a blueberry straight into my veins, but it's it's a lot more subtle than that. It is. <laughs> it's subtle, like it provided the color in the beer, but it doesn't taste like I'm just drinking a blueberry smoothie. No, and and honestly, that's that's kind of what I thought, but it's. It's 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 quite tasty. I, I must say. About it, it tastes very good. And this is this is this is no carbonation really. So, so this is just the leftover carbonation that would build up in like the carboy. So very very minimal. I think with some bubbles, it'll taste even better. With some bubbles, it'll taste even better. And, and honestly, like, I gotta I gotta tip the cap. I, I gotta tip the cap because this is. The, we 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 hypothesized maybe it was gonna taste like a little blueberry candy. It looks, I mean, if you are looking at this right now and maybe I'll take a picture of this and I'll, I'll post it as the cover art for the podcast <laughs> episode, but it looks, it's a very dark blueberry <laughs> beer and it tastes it's delicious. It's almost purple looking. It's almost It's pretty. like a maroon color and yet it's a very understated blueberry flavor. It was not too much. So uh, before we talk about Billy Paris, we are going to drink some more beer and we're going to get a little drunk and then we're going to talk about our old coach. We'll be right back. <laughs> is a play within a play. Thank you for being with us through the brewing process. We're now into the second act of today's show, which features Sam and I talking about our high school cross-country coach, Billy Pujares. Now, Billy is quite a special man. Um, he's he's known for many things. He, 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 he gets the potential out of his runners, and he also has a, a particular way with words, so to speak. He has so, a strong coaching style. He's near and dear to our hearts, but he definitely can push people beyond the limits they thought they had. Definitely. And, and um, so... Sam and I were both the captains on our senior year um, on the on our cross country team, and we actually were were able to be a part of the team that went down state for the first time in school history, which was a big accomplishment for us. It was one of our our chief goals going into the year, and uh, we won city the city championships for the first time since I think in 1986. Um, I did not know that year. He, he he didn't know the year. I, we're all about the facts here on this podcast, so. <laughs> Very well researched. <laughs> so, um, and, and I really honestly don't think that we could have done it without Billy because.
because he, you know, people will call him crazy. People will say, you know, maybe maybe he didn't always have the best training plans for us. But uh, that man kind of has a special talent for for pushing people to their very limits. And I guess I want to ask you, Sam, what what kind of what kind of workouts did did Billy put us through? Because looking back on them in hindsight, it's kind of crazy. And maybe if you wanted to compare them to some of the college workouts that you've done and how those differ. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of starting with. <laughs> um, once I went to college, I definitely learned that working out, you could go longer, you could be doing more miles technically, but generally the effort did not exceed a certain threshold overall in the workout. Um, you only really kill yourself over the course of a workout once or twice like in a month, maybe like a couple times in a season. Um, but with Billy, there's definitely a more intense training <laughs> style. That's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think we pushed ourselves farther than was probably great for long-term training, but I think in the moment, it actually really had a positive mental effect on the team and I think it really brought the team together in a way that wouldn't have been possible otherwise. I mean, this was this was bonding through shared suffering. I mean, we had there there's there one friend Caduce would throw up after after many of the workouts because I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the crazy ones, but he he would have us the one that I that I always tell people that I remember very clearly is the shoe workout where he would and this was a, a recurring workout where we would hold our shoe I mean it was supposed to be an easier one because you're not he threw up during the shoe workout I don't know if he threw up during the shoe, shoe workout but I know that was one of the ones that that was really a little bit nonsensical but I also felt like was a really good test of, of teamwork and camaraderie because so what what he would have us do is basically hold our shoes out with our arms outstretched and make us move our arms to different positions for oh my god I don't know what would be something like 20 minutes 30 so, minutes so the longest was 28 minutes generally they did not last more than 10 minutes this one exceeded all the others by a solid 15 and this was probably one of the most emotional experiences of my entire life like we were all standing there in complete pain for a solid 15 minutes waving our arms around wildly with like eight <laughs> ounce sneakers in our hands but really it's the weight of your arms it's, that the, weight of, it's the weight of your arms that kills you exactly like if you did that with weights you could not do it for more than a minute but because you're just holding shoes it's this big uh emotional thing and i would say the biggest thing that i remember from that is every time when we would finish everybody would collectively like gasp and throw <laughs> down their shoes at the end and it was this really satisfying way to say i'm done i'm throwing down this weight even if the shoes were negligible and it was really just your arms the whole time but i mean i i, I don't want to understate it it hurt like a bitch. It was so, it, it, my arms afterwards, they'd be like, oh my God, I can't even lift them. Cause it was like, we would do it for a, an extended period of time. And this was also, this was not the workout of the day. This is what we would do after we'd already done either like a long run or like a, an interval kind of workout. So this was not how we, this is not how we, this was not like, oh, this was the main event. That was like, this is what we're doing extra. It was the last 20 minutes. And then we'd stretch afterwards and go home. So we finished with this hard hitting arm workout and one might say as runners why would our shoulders need to be so well conditioned because it's all about the muscles man sun's out guns out yeah and so somebody might say 28 minutes that's excessive that's that's not necessary to get your arms ready to pump for 15 minutes max while you're running 
Um, but I think that highlights Billy's training style because he definitely believed more in training the mind through destroying the body <laughs> at times and believed that the mind is what would make you come out on top. And, and uh, honestly, he was kind of, while, while he might have been, we'll call it old age thinking in some respects, I kind of think of that like like Jim Boylan and, and the current Chicago Bulls very like, I'm going to train you until you, you just, you can't work any harder. I think he was also kind of forward thinking in some of the mental imaging that we did because we would go into the weight room and he would play you know, some sort of instrumental music and he would kind of walk us through these guided meditations. And I remember for me before that, that state run, um, I was kind of overcome by emotion on that last run because I was thinking, you know, these, especially before the sectional race, which comes right before the state finals, you know, we had never qualified out of that race. So in my mind, it was this, unless we, we achieve beyond our, our greatest potential, this is going to be our last race. And so I really think that that mental imaging, for me at least personally, was was something that that really prepared me for those races, those high intensity, high pressure races. Because what he would do is he would walk us through these races, and he would he would he would talk about envisioning certain points along the racing and really running the race before you run the race. And I'm interested to hear what what you think about this because for me it was it was always like. I, I went into the race feeling like I already knew what was going to happen. And then when we achieved what we, we did achieve, it felt like it was kind of already, it had already been written in, in, in our brains. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, it really shows how Billy was willing to integrate really new things into training at random times. <laughs> and this one coincided really well with like our personal narrative through high school because basically at the beginning of senior year he decided that mental imaging was going to be a big thing and he was going to do it across the whole season. I remember doing our first one in like September in the first week of school and I think we first imagined uh, the first race of the year playing field and then we imagined state regionals. Um, and then sectionals and then the finals. I was like, this is kind of crazy to be imagining the finals at this point in September, like in the first week, we should probably focus shorter term. But we did it every week and just would always end with those final things of imagining us there. And by the time that it actually got around to state sectionals, I'd imagined myself there so many times that I wasn't really stressed. Like I went into the race, I felt really calm and collected and got out, ran one of probably my favorite races of my high school career. And there were points in it where I really remembered having imagined, like, here's where it hurts and you go faster. And I imagined it over and over again for three months. And then finally it happened and I just did it. Yeah, and I think Billy was, it was, is, he's currently a coach at Indiana State. And I think he is is a master at kind of building team cohesion, building team bonding. I'm, I'm remembering we, I think this was this before our senior year we went to Tennessee? Yes. So, <laughs> so um, before our senior year we went to Tennessee and uh, it was, I think, a three or four day trip. I don't, uh, maybe it was longer it than that. Like five. It, might, it, 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 was, it was a substantial trip and we were in the this tripped out house. Thank you, Mr. Radomski. Because he, thank you, Mr. Radomski. <laughs> thank you, Mr. He was one of the ones that helped finance the trip. Don't really know the details of the financial situation, but this house was sick. It had a hot tub. It had like an arcade game 
station. It had it had some other things, but it was at the top of a mountain because the story that I remember most from this trip, and I don't know if you're gonna like me telling this on the air, but uh, what Billy would always do is sometimes we would, well, well many stories in the trip, but he he would take us in this van like down this mountain, um, and he would we would go to different places to train, do different workouts. But always when we'd come back, he'd stop the van at the bottom of the mountain and would be like, I'm not driving you up this hill. You're going to get out and run. And honestly, I don't know how you feel about this. Every time we would look around at each other like, he's not going to stop, right? He's not going to stop. And without fail, he would stop the van. He would stop the van and we were like... We would honestly, we look at each other. You gotta be fucking kidding me. We just did all we, because it would never be like after an easy, we, we would work our asses off and then he would stop the van at the bottom of the mountain. And after a certain point, we were just like, all right, we're gonna mess with him. He was, he was driving behind us, blasting the climb by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> he was blasting the climb by Miley Cyrus out of the van. And I don't remember whose idea it was, but we all just looked around because we knew he was filming us because not only did he make us get out but he also wanted to like hype us up by cool training video he was, of us running up to the climb was, and so we were like okay well we're gonna we're gonna mess up his training video so <laughs> so we all collectively mooned him at the same time and it's pretty he, well planned we 14 like high school boys agreed beforehand to exactly time the mooning on the count of three and, um, and he was so mad at us he was he was he like yelled at us from the van we were like you're making us run up the mountain anyway so you can't talk um but yeah other other highlights from that trip he he made us go on i think it was like an 11 mile run when because his gps watch didn't work and he said we were going for a four mile run we started running away from the like cottage and we were just like it's been long enough like my watch says 30 minutes he's like my gps watch only says (laughs) 1.3 and we were like billy this is not bro we're gonna run so far and we're running so you know we're from illinois we're not used to any hills whatsoever and this is hilly terrain it was rolling hills for 11 miles on the first day we arrived and so slowly people just petered off and died and were left to fend for themselves in the tennessee wilderness um we did just abandon people on the tennessee highway five miles from the house luckily they all made it back they were all in one slowly piece but surely. slowly but surely um but yeah i guess i guess if you had to you know if you got the chance to say anything to somebody who's listening who maybe doesn't know Billy, but but kind of gets at least a little bit of a sense now, how would you describe him? Like, how would you describe him having trained under him for four years? I would describe him as somebody who is extremely open-minded, but also very stubborn. <laughs> like, he's willing to take in new information at any time. He's constantly reading about running. He's constantly getting more educated on it. I would say he like knows as much as virtually all the other coaches that I have known in my life. And he still sometimes will become very committed to ways of training, training the mind um, that can be pretty brutal for yeah. <laughs> people as they're going through it. But I think in the end he can get good results and I would say he's been a net positive impact on my life. Yeah, I, I think if, if I just had a few words to say as well, I think he, you know, he, he really he really changed my life, honestly, because he saw the potential in me when when other people couldn't. Because you know, you came in, you were one of the 
the all-stars from the eighth grade team that had gone down and really really messed up some suburban kids at the state meet and for me I was coming in as as somebody who you know I, I had run in, in eighth grade but I really I really didn't even want to join the team and my mom forced me to so so I was that's just the only reason we met that's the only reason we met I, we met through the team and and now we're as close as two peas in a pod but it wouldn't have happened if if Billy hadn't shown that interest in me and believed in me to be something more than I was at the time because a part of my story that I guess I don't want to be forgotten is that you know in junior year of high school before we we went and were seniors and went and did that awesome thing downstate and we we achieved more than we we could have dreamed of I got third to last in the sectional meet my junior year and that was at a point where my self-confidence was probably at its lowest that it ever has been in my life and Billy refused to give up on me and I think that there's something about that kind of <clears throat> that kind of dedication that kind of loyalty that you can't you know it doesn't matter if you're the best coach in the world if you are not willing to and he would stick by sometimes the wrong people but for me when he he sh- him showing that unwavering loyalty and belief in me <laughs> I mean, it changed my life because it, it, it showed me the power of a good coach. It showed me how how a coach that believes in you can change your fucking life. And I mean, and that's, you can't buy that. You can't teach that. You, you, it, it was just, it's it's been such a privilege to watch and it's why I hope he never is too far out of my life. You know, I really want to, you know, I, I, hope, to, I hope to go see him meet one day once this pandemic shit is over. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just yeah, he's he's meant so much to me over the years, and and I'm just I'm just happy that you know a couple people will listen to this that haven't met him, and maybe they'll they'll go out and look him up. Billy Pool Harris, go go find him, go give him your love and support because he's he's a great man. He's he's a great man. Do you have anything you want to add? <laughs> um. Thank you, Billy Pool Harris. Thank, thank you, you Billy. You made a difference in my life. Thank you, Billy. So that's all we've got for you here today. This was this was Bottling Brews and Billy Pool Harris, the exceptional episode with my exceptional friend, Samuel Wisniewski. So, Sam, thanks for being on the podcast today. We've gotten a little drunk. We've we, we brewed some beers. It's bound to happen it's, when you're bottling. It's, it's bound to happen when you're bottling. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, thank you. Thank you.